Yeah, very good morning to you. It is Thursday, the 14th of December, 2023. A cold Thursday morning here in the northwest of the UK. It's wintry out there, but then I suppose, why wouldn't it be? Sure, it is the winter, isn't it? The front pages. Let's look at the front pages. We'll start with The Guardian today. Number of papers going with this. Guardian, landmark COP28 deal agreed to transition away from fossil fuels. If you listened to the papers yesterday, but if you caught the Richie Allen radio show yesterday afternoon, you'll have heard me discuss this. This is um, the, the deal agreed in Dubai at COP28 in the early hours of yesterday morning. Guardian calling it a landmark. 200 countries present at COP agreed to transition away from fossil fuels. The Guardian and other newspapers noting that the agreement, however, doesn't include an explicit commitment to phase out or even phase down fossil fuels. The Guardian. Financial Times. Historic COP28 deal cites shifting away from fossil fuels for first time. The Metro, the photograph of Gary Lineker. On the front page, the headline is, Has Lineker met his match? Now, if you're not into your football, and if you're not in the UK or Ireland, and if you've never heard of Gary Lineker, he is a former professional footballer turned television presenter. He presents the famous Match of the Day programme for the BBC. And the Metro says he's met his match. The incoming chairman of the BBC has been speaking to MPs ahead of his confirmation to the position. So Samir Shah was speaking to an MP select committee and he told them that he believed that the highest paid BBC presenter, Gary Lineker, breached the BBC's social media rules in tweets about Tory MPs during a row about the government's Rwanda policy. So Lineker has been pretty active on Twitter in recent years on any number of issues, usually issues around human rights and whatnot. He's been having his say. This has irked conservatives, particularly conservative party activists and MPs who say he should shut up because the BBC has a a duty to be impartial particularly anybody working for it. Others have said, well, Lineker doesn't work in news. He doesn't work in current affairs. He's a football guy. Surely he's entitled to his opinion. I, of course, as you'd expect, would say, of course he's entitled to his opinion. Whether I agree or disagree with him or not is irrelevant. But the incoming head of the BBC might prove problematic for Gary Lineker, if you believe, the Metro. The Daily Express, same story. Defence chief tells Lineker put a sock in it. There's also a photograph of three actresses on the front page of the Telegraph. The Crown, the Netflix series, which is, well, it's been fairly controversial, particularly for royalists who allege that it has been pretty... It has been pretty... How would you describe it, really? It hasn't been... uh, It's not factual. It's a drama about the history of the royal family. I think it began around uh, the time of the childhood of 
of, of Queen Elizabeth, the late Queen Elizabeth. I think that's where it began. And then followed her years through the war and then the 70s and then Diana and all of that. So it's fictional. What do they call this? There's a, there's a name, docudrama, no? But anyway, royalists have said, look, it's not exactly been um, real life or a true story that a lot of stuff has been added in there that never happened. So the three people who played the Queen are featured on the front of the Daily Express. I know, I know. The Daily Telegraph, Britain to build next generation fighter jets. Mm. Always money for war is the response I suppose I would have on that. We'll leave that. Britain is to spearhead a new fighter jet project under a treaty to be signed with Japan and Italy. The treaty will be signed today. The Daily Mail, the trans bullies won't silence me. Exclusive. We'll talk about that in a few minutes' time. That's the front page story. The trans bullies won't silence me. Defiance of top Tory reported to police over man in wig row. Very good. The Sun, Leo in secret date with Lottie Moss is the headline. With everything that's going on in the world, the Sun thought that the top story is... Uh, an allegation that Leonardo DiCaprio and the model Lottie Moss, I think she's a model, I have no idea, may have had a date. Wonderful. The Sun also claims an exclusive. It claims that Manchester United, this is on the front page too, are talking to or lining up former Brighton and Chelsea manager Graham Potter to take over at Manchester United in the event the current boss Eric Ten Hag is relieved of his duty. The t- duties. The, the Times. Facebook is now danger to children, parents told. What's that about? Well, this is a warning from the National Crime Agency that says Facebook is a danger because Meta has decided, that's a, the parent company of Facebook, has decided to introduce encrypted messaging, which has raised concerns about the safety of kids. The Times says the decision has been branded morally reprehensible by a government minister. The iPaper goes with tax cuts will keep interest rates high. PM is warned. The Daily Mirror, justice for my James. There is a photograph of Denise Fergus on the front page, the mother of James Bulger. One of the most infamous cases, criminal cases in UK history, of course. Um, John Thompson and Robert Venables. Um, have I got that wrong? I always get that wrong. Um, Thompson and Venables, yeah. Um, why have I got that wrong now? John Venables, yeah. And is it Robert Thompson? Anyway, look, you know the James Bulger story. Very, very young child. He was a baby. And he was basically snatched by these two young kids who were 10 years of age. They murdered him. And it was horrendous. I've never known a case to be as awful or to be given so much coverage, but um, John Venables will not be paroled. One of the kids involved in the murder, but he's not a kid now, he's a man now. He had previously, over the years, been left out, but then he had been found looking at child pornography online, amazingly, and then had been re-arrested and and brought back to jail. He's not going to be paroled, and Jamie Bulger's mum is delighted. Denise Fergus, that's the front page of The Mirror. As the Daily Star, don't eat the white snow is the headline. The star says, scientists have found snow 
to be full of bugs and to be full of viruses. There you are. Okay, let's look inside the papers then. And, as usual, some very interesting things in there. We'll start inside the Times. Headline is, hundreds more middle-aged adults dying a month since COVID pandemic. Let's read it. Hundreds more middle-aged adults have been dying each month since the end of the pandemic as obesity and NHS backlogs drive a surge in excess deaths. So they're getting the excuses and the cover-up in early. New analysis of official statistics has revealed that there are an extra 28,000 deaths in the UK a month, a month compared with levels in the previous five years. An extra 28,000 compared with levels in the previous five years. Think about that. And they're blaming obesity and NHS backlogs for this. Now, of course, I'm fair and I try to be balanced. Yes, fair enough. Obesity, you know, lockdowns and stuff maybe had something to do with that. People have become more inactive than ever anyway. Of course they have. And um, backlogs, yes, because the NHS became a COVID-only service for a couple of years and people didn't get treatment for all manner of things. Of course, it must be factoring in. But hello, the COVID intervention, the jabs, hello, anybody, anybody? It goes on to say, wait for it, the biggest rise in unexpected deaths has been among adults aged 50 to 64 who are increasingly dying prematurely from preventable conditions, including heart disease and diabetes. Heart disease. Hello? Hello? Anybody there? Think, McFly, think. The jabs, anyone? Anyone? No mention, of course, in the article, uh, which says the COVID inquiry is now being urged to shift its focus from tactical decisions made by politicians and to examine the lasting disruption that has kept deaths persistently high since the virus peaked. Yes. Yeah. Professor Yvonne Doyle, who led Public Health England during the pandemic, warned the official COVID inquiry risks missing the point by focusing on the drama and WhatsApps of Westminster politicians. In an article for the Times, Doyle, who gave her evidence to the inquiry six weeks ago, says that the tens of thousands of excess deaths since COVID Wadeford represent an underlying pandemic of ill health that should be addressed, yeah. Yeah, very clever, this. Very, very clever. Yeah, people were told to stay indoors and they began to eat very unhealthily. They weren't getting so much exercise and maybe we should have given more care and attention to other illnesses besides COVID. Yeah, maybe we should have done that. And this is a wonderful bit of cover-up, really, because it isn't saying that we shouldn't have had lockdowns, which, of course, we shouldn't have had. It's not saying that at all. It's saying that we need to manage them better next time around. And it's completely ignoring the fact that millions of these jabs, uh, untested and completely untried, uh, completely no long-term safety data for these jabs. These jabs are in people now. And they're doing terrible things to people. Heart problems, turbo cancers and whatnot. But let's cover it up. And I t- talked about this last night with Dr. Jesse Keener on the Richie Allen Show. Very interesting lady. If you missed it, I would check it out. The Mirror, Spain considering smoking and vaping ban on all beaches and in cars in tough new measures. I, I, Spain, it's an amazing thing what, what's happened to Spain 
because of its membership of the EU. Spanish people, I, I've never met more anti-government people than Spanish people. And I mean irrespective of what their political allegiance is. You know, whether they're on the left or on the right. During our time in Spain, completely anti-government. Completely anti-government telling you what to do. Really, all for individual freedom to Spanish. If I can categorise an entire country like that. But they've acquiesced to the Spanish. They've gone completely mad. Since the smoking ban was voted in in 2005, it didn't come into effect until 2009. I was living in Spain at the time. Now the government is planning on banning it in cars, banning it on beaches and lots of other places. Spain wants to get rid of smoking entirely. Yes. The priority to resurrect the anti-smoking plan post-COVID, which will turn terraces, beaches and cars in the presence of minors and pregnant women into strictly no-smoking zones. The aim of the Spanish is to transform the country from one renowned for having a cigarette smell in the air to a health-conscious nation to become one of Europe's most stringently smokeless uh, environments and places. And you'd be surprised at my take on this because I have never even tried a cigarette, which must make me very rare. You know, when I was a teenager and people were saying, go on, try it. I never tried it. One of those things has never touched my lips. I hate them, despise them. Even though my French missus would be an occasional smoker, which pisses me off, but there isn't very much I can do about it. But I would probably surprise you. I think this is complete tyranny, really. I know in the grand scheme of things that are happening, you know, the many tyrannies, you might say this is a small one. But telling people what they can and can't do outdoors is tyranny. You know, I understand why people might be concerned about children being exposed to secondhand. I, I get that in enclosed spaces. But telling people what they can and can't do in terms of having a cigarette outdoors is outrageous. It really is, but it's, but it's the way of things at the moment, isn't it? Let's look at the Telegraph. Inside ditching gas under net zero will push up household bills Ofgem admits Ofgem is the regulator. Still a surprise, surprise. The phase-out of gas boilers under plans to reach net zero will push up household energy bills as early from as early as 2026, according to the regulator. The energy watchdog said yesterday consumers face paying at least £43 extra per year through network charges on their gas bill from 2026 under proposals to manage the shift away from gas heating. But that isn't the half of it. Uh, it goes on. This will continue until about 2050, by which point only a small number of households are still expected to be using the gas network. The money would compensate gas distribution network owners for their past investments based on an assumption that their assets will essentially be worthless when Britain reaches net zero. Okay, on top of this, this is why I said this is only the half of it, consumers face extra costs as swathes of the gas grid are shut down and made safe. This is known as decommissioning. Ofgem didn't estimate those costs, but a separate government study has put them at as much as £2,500 per household. They want to bankrupt people because installing heat pumps which don't work, and they don't, that's not my saying that, that's not my, you know, taking 
I'm not being cheeky in saying that. Every gas installer, every energy expert that's spoken to the newspapers in this country has said the same. They just don't work. They will not heat homes sufficiently. You could be looking at up to £20,000 to install one of those to heat your home and they don't work. Speaking of tyranny, right? So that's in the Telegraph. Stay with the Telegraph for a moment. Bit of wokeism in there. White male recruits must get final sign-off from me, says Aviva Boss. The chief executive of Aviva, Amanda Blanc, has said all senior white male recruits must get final sign-off from her as part of a diversity drive to stamp out sexism in the financial services industry. Yes. She became Blanc, Amanda Blanc, became Aviva's first female chief executive in 2020, told a parliamentary committee there was no non-diverse hire at Aviva without it being signed off by me. No non-diverse hire. No non-diverse hire. So if you hear anybody else but a white man, she doesn't care as long as it's not a white man. It could be somebody of, from an ethnic minority group, somebody of colour, somebody with a disability. It could be anybody. Once it's diverse, it's fine. If it's a white guy, you've got to tell me about it and I'll give the yay or the nay. Mad times. I know, I know. That's a, that's a cliche. Hang on. I'm going to have a little sup of a, a drink there. Yeah. Lovely. The Guardian. Let's look inside. The Guardian. Students can make provocative remarks if they do not break the law. Watchdog says. Now this pisses me off. Because I believe there are very few ways that you can break the law through that which you say. And those are basically very few, and they're pretty easy to identify, incitement to violence or incitement to commit a crime. Saying something which can easily be proven to be an encouragement to somebody else to commit a crime. Okay? Or to commit violence. I know that they're not the same. Lots of crimes, right? And I, I can't see too many other ways which it's justified, whereby it would be justified to tell somebody that they're under arrest because of something they have said. But the article says in The Guardian, university staff and students can make provocative statements on subjects such as Israel and Gaza as long as they do not break laws on incitement or harassment under proposals by the government's campus free speech, SAR. We talked about this person, Arif Ahmed, this guy, the newly appointed director for academic freedom of speech at the Office for Students, said universities and colleges in England that infringed the rights to expression of individuals would face fines under the new complaints process. But he didn't announce, he didn't say, whether students or staff voicing support for a global intifada against Israel or using slogans such as from the river to the sea would be protected by the new rules before they are introduced in August. So this is pathetic, right? So um, on the one hand, universities must protect and must not infringe the rights of expression of individuals on university and college campuses. But I'm not going to say anything about whether or not they're breaking the rules if they call for a global intifada against Israel or say a slogan like from the river to the sea. It's pathetic how enthrall to the 
fascistic apartheid state of Israel. Everybody is. Why is everybody so terrified of criticising Israel? It's a country. It's a government, really. Israel is not a people. It's a government. Like the UK is a government. It's a government. Right, a government that, like, like the Israeli government, is elected based on promises made in manifestos. Promises in manifestos which are ripped up the very second they are elected to office. Ripped up. Because the manifestos are bullshit. Vote for us, we're nice people. We'll look after you, we'll get you better jobs, we'll, we'll better jobs, better pay, we'll improve the health service, education will be brilliant, we'll tackle illegal migration, vote for us. You vote for them, they rip it up, and then they go and make war with people. That's what governments do. You didn't vote for that. And the Israeli people, God love them, most of them I would imagine, they don't vote for never-ending insecurity. Right, I'm sure... I, I like to believe in my heart of hearts that there are many Israeli men and women completely appalled by the ethnic cleansing going on in Gaza. So what is it with everybody in the West, whether it's um, state bodies, whether it's semi-state bodies, whether it's the media, whether it's everyone, why are they so scared of criticising Israel, a government? Why? And talking, I know why, and we get into it in the Richie Allen Show all the time. Yes, say what you want about a country and what a country is doing. It's it's um, foreign policies. Say what you want about it, and be damned. And don't be, don't be in cow. Don't be, don't cow down. Don't bow down. Don't be cowed by. Don't be cowed. That's a good word, a good phrase. Uh, by tyrants. Say what you want when you want, and of course, don't incite violence against anybody. And don't incite people to commit crimes. Yeah. Don't say terrible things to children online. Don't do these things. But say, speak your mind. The Mail, the front page, will will, will do this now. The front page of the Mail. The trans bullies won't silence me. What's it about? Rachel McLean is the Conservative Party's Deputy Chairman for Women. And she's written an article in the Daily Mail today. A top Tory, says the Mail, reported to police in a trans row has vowed to continue speaking up for women's rights and says she refuses to deny reality. So I won't read you directly from the um, article of Rachel McLean, but I'll read the Mail's article on the article. Right? They always do that. Whenever a politician writes an article for a newspaper, they publish the article written by the politician and then they write an article about the article. Anyway, um, she's embroiled in a storm after sharing an online post about an aspiring Green MP who is transgender. The post labelled the Green candidate as a man who wears a wig and calls himself a proud lesbian. There was a social media backlash. McLean was accused of transphobia, reported to the police, and the police said there was no reason to get involved. Now, the thing that annoyed me is McLean, this Rachel, the Conservative Party's deputy chairwoman for women, has actually apologised to the Green candidate for any offence caused, which I don't like. I think that's ridiculous. But then refused to back down from saying what a woman is. Rachel McLean is the MP for Redditch, reveals she has been shouted down by men from within the Labour Party for standing up for women. She said she will not be forced to deny reality and say that a trans woman 
was a biological woman or that they are lesbians. I will continue to make this stance, says Rachel McLean. The person in question is somebody called Melissa Poulton. Melissa Poulton is a freak. Now that's not incitement to hatred. It's not hate speech because I don't hate Melissa Poulton. I've nothing against him. He's a man who dresses up as a woman and is standing for the Green Party as a woman in a neighbouring constituency to Rachel McLean. And he is a man in a wig. And he looks fucking ridiculous. I mean, he couldn't look any more ridiculous than he does, right? And if he's a woman, I'm an astronaut. And um, by pointing out the fact that he's a man in a wig, McLean is well within her rights, of course. But the police, people reporting this to the police is fairly sinister. For the moment, the police are saying, not really of any interest to us. But that's not always been the case, of course. We know that people have been arrested for so-called misgendering people on Twitter. We'll watch that one closely. If you look for Melissa Poulton online, I, I stand by the term freak. You know, a total fucking freak is what I would say. Um, and that's not out of hatred. It's not out of anything because I don't know Melissa Poulton. But it is a wretchedly freaky, freakish fucking world when a bloke in a dress can stand for a political party as a female candidate. It is fucking vaudeville, isn't it? Let's be honest about it. Let's call it, you know, call it what it is. It's freakish. The Times, I'm not going to do that. It's a bullshit story about um, how Jews are in danger in the UK, which is fucking nonsense. There's no existential threat to Jews. We'll finish with this because it's a bit of a gas. Cornish nasty. I love this because I live in Salford. And there are aspects of the television show Shameless to Salford. Now, don't think I'm a snob. I was born and bred, brought up in a council estate in Waterford, and I'm very proud of it. The finest people I ever met, and I mean that, came out of Ballybeg in Waterford. The hardest working people, the smartest people, the most reliable people. My childhood, apart from what was going on in my house, but my 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 neighbours and friends, Ballybeg is great. So when I say that, I'm not a snob. I am a working class kid. But there are aspects of the shameless to Salford. Now, this is not about Salford, it's about Devon, but it's very Salford-esque. Cornish nasty. Shopper mowed down by man on mobility scooter in row over buying the last pasty. <laughs> and there is video of this. <laughs> a mobility scooter driver ran down a guy who took the last pasty at a local bakery. The guy in the mobility scooter has also got a crutch in his hand and he's steering his mobility scooter towards a bloke while waving his crutch in the air, hitting him and knocking him to the ground and all because the guy got the last pasty in the bakery. And that is as chavtastic a story as you'll read anywhere in the British press today. It's the sort of thing you'd see on the precinct in Salford from time to time. Again, I declare myself to not be a snob, not a bit of it. Not a bit of it, I tells you. You've been listening to the papers. For the 14th of December 2023. Thank you for listening to it. Please do share it around. And I hope you'll join me at 4 o'clock UK time today for the Richie Allen Show. Now listen up. I'm taking your telephone calls, your WhatsApps and your Skypes. So I want you to call me during the programme. Get on the phone to me later. So have a great Thursday. Until then, bye.